How's it going, everybody? This is Andy McCullough from The Athletic here with Mark Carrig, also from The Athletic. You are listening to the latest edition of Beyond the Scrum. Mark, how's it going, man? Doing okay, Andy. What's up with you? Oh, you know, just uh, just another week in baseball. You know, big another, week, uh, another day. Yeah, big, big, this this actually is a uh, a, a big week, Mark. Legitimately uh, big week for baseball yeah. and uh, and and science and medicine, apparently. Yep, uh, yep, and uh, the, you know the testing of uh, human empathy and uh, understanding of uh, epidemiology. So. We got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Obviously, the Marlins outbreak is uh, top of mind still, as that has uh, thrown a significant wrench into Major League Baseball's plan to play baseball in 2020. Um, we also want to talk a little bit about Astros Dodgers last night and the genius of Dusty Baker. And uh, <laughs> Mark, for whatever reason, you've been watching a lot of baseball over the past few days, and you have some thoughts on the quality of play, which you know I have thoughts on the you know the quality of your mental state but i keep them to myself but who can say well uh, that mental state did not get better with the uh, amount of tooth blends that were present here the last <laughs> week jesus <laughs> that's neither we'll get back to that andy so, spoiler alert the baseball it's not great not the best it's not right well now, not the expect? best not crisp as they would say yeah so it's Wednesday. The Miami Marlins have not played a game since Sunday. They are not going to play a game this week. Uh, they and the Philadelphia Phillies have their seasons effectively uh, on pause for several days as they Major League Baseball scrambles to sort of uh, avoid a uh, league-wide outbreak after the Marlins have, what is it, 17 mm-hmm. positive tests, unfortunately? I believe it was 15 players in their player pool and then two um, non-players all have been confirmed uh, or placed on the, the COVID IL. Um, the team is now in isolation and has gone to daily testing as they basically try and, uh, you know, get <laughs> figure out a way to play baseball. And there's been a lot said already, and there's been some uh, unsubstantiated rumors thrown out there about how this happened or what's going on. Um, there's been a lot of criticism levied at Major League Baseball for their handling of this and that the teams were allowed to play on Sunday after there were four more uh, or three, I believe it was, positive uh, tests on the Marlins and four total. Um, but, Mark, what, what has been your main takeaway from this sort of story over the past few days? What, what, are, what do you think is the, is the issue that it should be at top of mind for baseball fans moving forward? Well, we... You know, I've just chatted about this, right? We were doing that story the other day, getting reactions from people. And I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but frankly, I was surprised at how candid people were. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of trepidation within the sport right now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of feeling of conflict within the sport right now. And publicly, mm-hmm. people are going to say the right things. But behind closed doors, I think uh, there's a lot of what fans are feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there, it's there's a lot... Of, of reasons to doubt that this is the right thing to do, but there is also this impulse to want to do it because that's how baseball mm-hmm. folks are wired. And, and I think by extension, that's how baseball fans are wired. You're, you're built, mm-hmm. you, you want to watch the marathon unfold as much as you can. And even though it's a little different this year, you still want to see the product. So there, there's a lot of grappling with this. But when I, my takeaway from it, and, and I'm curious to hear yours, but didn't they see this coming? 
I mean, they said as much. Stan Caston went on the radio like a couple hours after this came out and said, yeah, this was to be expected. I believe, you know, Rob Manfred described, a, you know, a similar sort of scenario. He described, said, this isn't a nightmare, which like, okay. I, Makes you know. me wonder what a nightmare looks like. Well, I mean, there's a couple things at play here, right? Like, like Rob Manfred is a is a labor attorney, and you know that is his that's sort of his background, and that is sort of the the man he comes from, and um, you know you don't there's a seems to be uh, an impulse to not want to give an inch and to want to defend you know the protocols. I mean, Major League Baseball statement that they put out the other day uh, where they're talking about how good the protocols have been and how, you know, 99 positives out of, you know, 3000 whatever uh, tests is a good thing, which like on the one hand, yes, that is a good thing. On the other hand, that's 99 people who tested positive for COVID. And so like you start to argue about, you know, the statistics versus empathy and and all this sort of stuff and I was I think the inevitability of it was very deflating. I think the reaction from the sport was pretty deflating, I think, for a lot of fans in that it, everyone just kind of said, well, yeah, what'd you think was going to happen? And it's like, well, <laughs> we, we thought you'd play this season safely and responsibly and, you know, half of a team wouldn't come down with a, you know, a contagious respiratory illness within four days of play. Um, I think the, I, I am at some point when everyone is sort of, you know, injected with truth serum, I would love to know a TikTok on the sort of what what transpired in the hours before Sunday's game and, you know, sort of the how much dialogue there was about whether it was okay to play. I mean, I think there's been a lot made of this idea that this game was played because the Marlins players decided to, you know, like, because after the game, right, Don Mattingly was asked, you know, did were you guys nervous to play? And he said there was kind of a virtual team meeting led by shortstop Miguel Rojas, um, in which the players all agreed they wanted to play. And I think that was presented to the public in some ways as if, like, this was the reason they played. It's because the Marlins took a vote and said, let's go. And it's like, I unless I'm wrong, I don't think the commissioner's office contacted Miguel Rojas and said, do you guys want to play today? It was more like independent of anything. The Marlins were aware of the positive tests and the players, you know, decide, talked about it amongst themselves and said, yeah, we're good to go. Um, I think there's a huge difference between that and this idea that it was like kicked, it was put in their court and it was up to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think so like the, the scapegoating of individual actors, you know, the, the blaming of, you know, there's been stories like, oh, the players were, you know, going out or the players weren't following the protocols or, you know, it's up to, and like, I think that's important in, in one sense and that it, it demonstrates the necessity of following the protocols. But I think in a way it's, you know, the story is less about how a couple guys got infected. It should be, how did a couple guys getting infected lead to a team wide, uh, to a team wide outbreak, you know, because that's the thing that could cause real problems for the sport moving forward. You're not going to have 100% compliance. You're just not. So if you don't have 100% compliance, you have to have, you know, breaks in place to prevent an outbreak. And thus far, they've failed that test. Yeah, I think that's the executive I talked to the other day. That was his point, was that if anything, I asked him, like, what's the takeaway from all this, especially when there had been this sense of inevitability, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and his thing was like, it just tells you the protocols aren't strong enough. That because yeah. li- really what they're designed to do isn't to mitigate, like eliminate risk rather, mm-hmm. right? Because there's going to be risk. What what they're doing is inherently risky, 
And everyone has said that ad nauseum. Mm -hmm. But what it's supposed to do is prevent precisely what happened in the Marlins clubhouse, which is guys are going to get this. That's Mm -hmm. going to happen. But there needs to be some wall up to make sure it doesn't spread quickly. Mm -hmm. And you don't end up in a scenario like this, which, by the way, technically one team has an outbreak. Yet you've got four big league clubs that have been severely impacted by this. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that's a, so you asked like what are the takeaways? That was one for me, man. It's like one club has wreaked this much havoc. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm with you. I I think there is a fallacy in playing the blame game for this because the Miami Marlins have been positioned to get sick, just like the other 29 teams (laughs) have been positioned to get sick. And then they took a road trip to Atlanta, which is in a state that is also struggling. Yes. And then it rained and they all crammed into a dugout. Right. You know, in defiance of these protocols, which I think was called in our story, what by the fake rules (laughs) that no one's following. Right. Like, I mean, so (laughs) like, what what really bothers me about this is, you know, following that protocol is the minimum that they have to do. Yeah. There is still an element of luck involved in this. There is right. still an element that I think gets lost um, where the virus is giant. It's everywhere. It's a major thing. And following these arbitrary rules isn't going to inoculate you from getting it. Like it's just yeah. – and but when you hear people in baseball talk about it, they phrase it that way, and mm-hmm. it 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 beca- and it's kind of like, you know, I mentioned the word conflict earlier. Mm-hmm. In one way, what's admirable to me about ball players is their ability to stay focused no matter what. Sure, right. The, the, and let let me and you having you you've covered baseball for so long and done it every day on the beat, just like I have, right? For a long time, you see it, man. That is yeah. not just empty words these guys are really remarkable at the tunnel vision they're remarkable at being able to bust their asses every day no matter what is going on it's to me what's what makes like a major league ball player like spectacular right like to do what they do yeah but in this case that's almost a hindrance yeah because it, it like ignores the fact that despite adhering to this and that's what you hear as long as we take care of our own business Right, We're going to be just right. fine. And, it, and it, right. it is so typical baseball mentality uh, right. to make it that binary when the reality is far more complicated than that. And, and yeah, by like, the way, they haven't been good at adhering to it. Well, they, they have not been good at the ones that I think are kind of eyewashy, you know, like, mm-hmm. like high fives. Uh, right. Like, like here's the deal, right? Like, what what do you think is more likely that's going to lead to a spread? Is it going to be guys giving high fives after a home run? Or is it going to be a guy who tests positive, there's a lag in his testing results, and he's on the team plane? Right. And one of those you can protect against, and the other one you really can't. So, right. like, now, but at the same time, you're right. There is a flagrant, uh, you know, it, people, people are flagrantly ignoring some of these protocols every night on TV. You can see it. You know, you, and like, because it's human nature to celebrate a home run, you know, it's, it's human nature to gather in the dugout or the clubhouse during a rain delay. Where else are you supposed to go? Right. Um, so I think that like, you know, as, as you were saying, right, it, it, the, the way to rally the players behind this was they had to be told, Hey, these rules, these protocols, if you follow them, they will keep you safe. And that's why you hear the players saying over and over again, 
like, hey, we're just taking care of our business, as you said. You know, like I, I've been the, the amount of times a guy is asked about something going on in another team, and they just immediately deflect to like, well, look, we're taking care of things over here. You know, like we're right. so you know we got such a tight ship over here, and it's like the way they talk about you know infield defense, right? Because it's yeah. how they're trained to handle this. If we take care of our business, we will be fine. Here's the problem, though. Even if the protocols are good, and we talked to a lot of infectious disease experts and epidemiologists who were, had a lot of praise for the thoroughness and the seriousness of these rules, they're still not enough. Like, it's not enough to defeat the virus because you are traveling. You are getting in one city, you're getting in buses, you're getting in planes, you're sometimes, I guess you're allowed to get in Ubers and taxis now when you're at the ball, when you're in your road city, and you're traveling to another location. You're not sheltering in place. They're not yeah. under, you know, isolation or quarantine. They're out in the world. And guess what's out in the world? Excuse me. Guess what's out in America? Woo! Coronavirus. Yep. And yep. that's, you know, and, it, and when you combine that, right, when you combine the difficulty of traveling in this country right now with the t lag in getting test results back because of the difficulty of having to process everything through the one lab in Utah, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what's inevitable about it is that we saw on the first weekend, right, that they had summer camp is players were saying, we're not getting our test results back. So what do you think is going to happen the first weekend that someone goes out and goes on the road for the first time? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, I, this sucks. Like, this sucks. But it's also inevitable, and that's why it's so deflating. Because we were told by the stakeholders in the sport to not worry about it. You know, that the protocols were safe, that everyone was going to be okay. And it's very clearly untrue. Yeah. Well, that's – yeah, it's similar – a parallel that you just drew right there, right? As soon as summer camp started, we hit that bump, um, hit another bump here. There, there is like this emotional fatigue to this, right? The ups and downs. Like, what, yeah. I feel like on opening day, people were like embracing it. Like there was almost <laughs> this like, it's, you know what? No one thought we'd yeah. be here. Let's be, we're here. Um, you know, I think there was like, I don't want to use it's the like, word celebratory because uh, there's nothing like to celebrate. My, but Michael Jackson and uh, and Elvis Presley's daughter at the MTV movie music awards, where they're like, and they thought it would never last, and they like hold up hands and everyone cheers. <laughs> it's like no, that well, is not the reference I would have bet on you making. Or in so that it moment, seemed. But what a curveball you just threw! Um, like I you said something interesting. You're right about eyewash. By the way, like yeah. the, the the spitting and high five—that's total eyewash. Like, and and yeah. your it's point's good. Well like again, like it, no, it's, no, it's but good, like, but it's not—it's not the difference maker. No, but here's where here's why I think it matters. Okay, mm -hmm. if they can't follow the eyewash bullshit with the cameras on, yeah, <laughs> you're telling me that when the cameras aren't around and you're not at the ballpark that they're following right. the regulations that do matter. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. mean, that to me is a telling thing. And like, mm -hmm. yes. I totally 100 100% respect the fact that those things are at this point innate reactions. You've done it mm -hmm. for so long. I get all that. But if like it literally it's like as it, the way when watching games they're acting as if no one's told them this stuff until like a mm -hmm. day or two ago, until the Marlins thing happened. I mean, God, Kevin Kiermaier basically on Sunday, I think he walks off and he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to celebrate because that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Like was like defiant about it. Yeah. And and yeah. and so I, I tip my cap for his honesty. But like, so when I see that and hear that, 
I just wonder if you can't even do the basic bullshit eyewash of it, then my confidence level in you following these things away from the field when no one's watching you isn't real high. And I think maybe that's where the wake-up call needs to be is that you cannot, you literally cannot let your your guard down with this. And that is the minimum that you have to do because it is still, as you say, out in the world. And that is a bigger issue. Right, right, yeah. And and again, like... I think we've talked about this. This is all happening away from the public eye. We can't see what's going on in the clubhouse. We can't see what's going on in the team plane. We can't see what's going on in the, you know, the hotels on the road. We don't know if guys are going out on the road. We don't know if guys are staying in, you know, and like, frankly, it's their personal business, right? Like, you know, like I don't, I don't care like what a guys are doing on the road. Right. Except in this scenario, unfortunately, because of, covid and because of the sort of responsibility that the players have to one another but also to the general public to not spread the virus it does matter you know and that's an unfair burden on the players but it's one that they took on when they agreed when they decided that a bubble was untenable and this was the way they were going to play you know they had to give up some sort of personal privacy with regard to their behavior their behavior has to be scrutinized because it matters more than before it matters if guy if a guy goes out to a bar You know, but at the same time, right, guys going out or guys not following the protocols or a guy going to a 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee or something like that, like that is less important in the grand scheme of things than why an outbreak was able to happen. And I think something that's, you know, talking to executives around the sport earlier this week, that was a question that a lot of them had is they wanted to know how did this happen? Is this a failure of design or is this a failure of compliance? And my guess is it's going to be a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. You know what I mean? You know, I was talking to an executive that, you know, has been involved in in trying to handle this with his team, right? Like a lot of them Mm. have been, right? Knee deep in in just the details. And he was on the side where he thinks the protocols were, were decent enough that if you followed them, you should be able to avoid Something like this. And that said, yeah. though, and he's been on the more optimistic side of, of the spectrum. Uh-huh. He's like, one more of these and it's done. You know? Yeah. like, And I don't think he's wrong because if if one team going down and having this awful thing happen has a ripple effect directly on four others. Right. Right? You have another, add another four, that's eight clubs. That's almost a third of the league that is compromised. And if, right. and if it really is a matter, at least some part of it is a matter of competitive um you know integrity mm-hmm. then how do you justify that I, I mean they will right like let's to be cynical sure. they'll find i mean they will because like yeah the, the 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 pot at the end of the playoff rainbow is just too damn lucrative not not right. to at this point but um you know like it, it's how do you not call it a sham season after that because i think you, you can already <laughs> do it now okay i get it but yeah. like you can also hold your nose and sort of like embrace the weirdness of it. But I think you can't do that anymore once you literally have a third of the league that is out of commission. And right now, as we speak, all it takes is one more outbreak and bang, there you are. So you need to get really lucky. And like, why would you bet on someone in America getting lucky in 2020? <laughs> like what, what kind of what, i mean that is the gambler's fallacy if i have ever heard it i mean are you kidding me you want to bet on this country in 2020 
if football was an Olympic sport, we'd lose it in 2020. That's what I'm wow. saying, man. Wow. American like, football is what you're saying. Amer- American football. Because, yeah, yeah, we're we, going to get smoked in football, but not. We, we'd, we'd lose to, like, the Slovenian team or something and wow. they, with their long-range kicking skills or something. That is something. Let's, uh, let's shift a little bit to Astros, Dodgers, some actual baseball stuff. Um, that was a good Joe, time. Remember that? Baseball? Yeah, baseball. is a good game, man. It's a, it's, a shame, it's a shame they put in replay. Um, <laughs> the Dodgers and the New York Yankees are the two teams with the uh, biggest bone to pick against the Houston Astros, who, as you recall, used a cheating scheme to help win the World Series in 2017. Um, the Dodgers were playing them, the Astros, uh, for the first time since the cheating scheme was revealed to the public. And there were some fireworks. Mark, mm-hmm. Joe Kelly kind of seemed like he threw behind. Well, he definitely did. He threw behind uh, Alex Bregman. He gave uh, Carlos Correa uh, some chin music and also uh, struck him out and had some choice words for him. But in between, there was a great moment between uh, Dusty <laughs> Baker, the Astros manager, and Joe Kelly. If we can roll the clip now of uh, the, the stadium mics caught this as Joe Kelly was uh, making a play in the field. Just get on the mound, little Ooh, okay. Sh- uh, shout out to <laughs> Joe Davis. Broadcaster Joe Davis, one of the best in the business. Uh, just oh. that little, ooh, very, very, very good broadcasting. Um, so, like, there's a, you know, I'm, I, I could not imagine something more tired than debating whether it's okay to throw it, guys. Um, yeah, we're not going to do that. I was interested in your assessment of how Dusty Baker kind of, I mean, this is like, so I think we both had the same reaction kind of coming out of this is like, this is why you hire Dusty Baker as your manager, not just Mm -hmm. because he, you know, is yelling something from the dugout, right. That's kind of funny, but he, as good as anyone in this sport understands how to one win the support of his room and deflect from his players and move the conversation forward. It's, it's one of many reasons why he has been so successful as a big league manager. You know, this is a worked shoot, to, <laughs> to use the terminology, right? Because all the points you made, I totally agree. This is why you hire that guy. He's got the credibility. It's organic. Mm-hmm. He can mm-hmm. say that kind of stuff on the field, and it's not forced. It's Dusty mm-hmm. fucking Baker, yeah. okay? Like, this guy has all the credibility in the world, He's played the game. He's managed for a long time. He's earned a lot of trust. He's been in really difficult mm-hmm. situations. So he was tailor-made for this. And that reaction was perfect. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, you, he's in a mode right now where he's got to show people, not just in his room, but out there, right? Like, he's an mm-hmm. organizational face. He's mm-hmm. got to show that they're going to handle this. They're going to mm-hmm. stand up to this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's going to have his guys' backs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to get in the fray. And, like, you know... He, I think baseball oftentimes is this game in which you kind of pick and choose when you're going to inherit your predecessor's grievances. Mm-hmm. He's picked it up and embraced yeah. it. He's going to say, yeah, I wasn't here, but I am now. Yeah. And you're going to know where I stand. So right. telling that quote unquote little fucker to get back on the mound <laughs> is just like a perfect play. If you're dusty yeah. and like, you know, I don't want to get into this too. And we were talking about this before. Let, let's hear it after the game, right? Let's hear dusty mm-hmm. Baker's post game right now about mm-hmm. um, why that all went down. You know, what really enraged everybody is when, you know, he told Carlos, I mean, he struck him out. And he, and he told him, nice swing, bitch. And see, what are, you, what are you supposed to do then? And then what upset me is that the umpires warned us. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that moves the conversation forward. 
I would say. Um, well, like, so this is the thing, right? Andy, you know this. Like, they don't like the players, the people in uniform. They hate talking about stuff that's said on the field. And in, in the yeah. normal world, you don't hear a lot of it, right? Mm-hmm. You, it's muted out by the crowd, good and bad. Like, you know what you don't hear a lot is, like, you know, like, it's considered to be a little league to cheer guys on. Right, right. That shit happens all the time. Like, Bobby yeah. Cox is known for those, like, ejections when really most of the time he's down there going, come on, kid, come on, Chip, come yeah. on, Frenchie. Like, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. more typical of what happens, but there's also a flip side. Sometimes things get heated. Sometimes people are talking shit, right? And so it was interesting that Dusty kind of breaks from protocol there mm-hmm. and, and lets you know that Joe Kelly's talking shit. Right? right, like he, and that, again, to, to the points you were making earlier about the credibility that he brings, and this is why you mm-hmm. hire a guy like Dusty Baker, he knows when it's advantageous to put that out there, and right. you know, I, I think yesterday with him, last night rather, with him was a master class in handling scenarios like that, getting your message out, right. and frankly, I don't think you can teach it. You either have the gravity to do it and the personality yeah. to do it. Dusty's clearly got both. Um, yeah. So I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, EQ is off the charts in, in that regard. Um, well, you know, it's interesting, right? Like the, uh, the, the Astros, um, I'd be curious, it, it, we live in a, in a parallel universe where there isn't a pandemic. I think the Astros would have turned full heel. Like if they were getting booed every game, I think they would have just gone heel and just basically said like, you know, we won, you know, try and take it away from us, you know, like, cause you know, that's basically what heels do in pro wrestling is they, they win through nefarious means and then, you know, basically rub it in your face. Um, the Astros are not doing that to be clear. Like, you know, they have, uh, shown eh, a smidgen, you know, a, a little bit of remorse, but mostly have just been trying to move on, right? So because they're in this weird rhetorical position where, like, they're not just going to come out and say, like, yeah, we cheated. What are you going to do about it? You know, which is what heels do and should do. They kind of don't have moral high ground in a way, but Dusty Baker does. Mm-hmm. And so Dusty Baker is someone who can come out and say, you know, something like that, you know, that. Joe Kelly, you know, said this to one of our players and it carries more weight than Carlos Correa saying it because every because people are just going to look at Correa for a while and be like, well, yeah, but you're a cheater. So why should we believe you? Essentially. Right. Well, that, didn't we see that in the spring with Correa, yeah. by the way? Right. Yeah, because he, he basically went after Bellinger when Bellinger kind of, you know, ripped Altuve and ripped the team. And I think the general reaction around the sport was from when I talked to players, they were just like, can you believe Correa? Like, where is right. like, where does he get off saying that? But see, right? even in your phrasing there, Andy, like, mm-hmm. I may, I'm clearly in the minority. You know, what my first reaction to that was mm. he's sticking up for his guy. Well, like, sure. because Altuve yeah. can't oh, go up there and say, I'm doing. not a yes. cheater. Like, I mean, he's a guy who might have 3,000 hits when all is said and done. Uh, he's not going to go up there and, and, and defend himself. It's, it's, that's bad form. So here's mm. Correa stepping into the breach, which I actually thought was admirable, except, like you say, dude had zero credibility in the That's bank. the problem is they've you, all been, they're also stained, they're also stained by their involvement in the, you know, in the trash can scheme that like, yes, it's, it was, as you said, it was admirable for what Correa was doing in terms of his own clubhouse, but what basically anyone outside of that clubhouse, they just kind of hand wave it away and they're just right. like, why, you know, what, what, okay, so you, we're supposed to, you know, it's the same problem that I think, 
a lot of people had with how the the report from the uh, from MLB's report about the Astros sort of determined the conclusions and um, you know this idea that like oh they cheated in 2017 but it stopped by 2019 or whatever right. it's like yeah right. let's all right guys let's play fair now you know it just it doesn't pass the smell test and so I think there was this idea you know when the players would come out and say yeah that was just something we did then but we weren't doing it last year it's like well, oh why do we believe you. Well, like the, he, <laughs> yeah. Well, the good news, though, for the Astros and, and Korea specifically, right, is that what baseball has taught everyone, I think, is that, look, a few years from now, Korea could be filthy rich and loaded and, you know, be one of the best players ever. He might go buy the Mets and call games on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. And no one will remember any of this. I would not put Carlos Correa's transgressions, whatever they may be, in, in the rod file. Just Wait, yet, I think I, was, I didn't really say a name. I was just throwing out like a hypothetical <laughs> I think, example. I think there's a pretty significant. I think there's a bit of a difference. I don't know. Is <laughs> I, I don't know. I as I as I I remember writing this in January. It's like I genuinely don't know how history is going to remember the Astros. Yeah, uh, I think it, it, I'm not trying to draw. That, you know, yeah. not making them equals by any means. And let, let, yeah. I hope people don't pick that, like, hear that, like, I'm equating the two at all. I think it's more so you have a party that has lost credibility. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what was remarkable about baseball is no matter how far into that valley you go, it seems like there's no such thing as, like, losing the public altogether. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? Because there are pe- mm-hmm. people who, for instance, will believe something that Pete Rose says. Right. Yet when we check the record, uh, there's really no reason to do that. In the same way that yeah. when, you know, Alex Rodriguez, same thing. Like, if you really want to check the record, and please, go through the receipts, there's no reason to believe a single word that comes out of his mouth, yet here we are, right? Like, it's... Yeah. That's just how this game goes, I think. And and I... So... It, this too shall pass, right? Like the, getting back to the Astros, like yeah. as bad in as 20, that looks, In 2013, I mean, A-Rod was like, you know, was, wasn't was he like screaming and calling Manfred a liar in a right. closed-door meeting? And then right. seven right. years later, he's on ESPN telling him what a great job he's doing with the Yeah, protocols. giving him a back rub on national television about how yeah. awesome he, a job he's done handling this horrible, horrible pandemic. And, oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you for giving us expanded playoffs. Oh, <laughs> this is so great. And we haven't talked about how bad the expanded playoffs are. I maybe we'll do that next oh, week. Oh, it's such horseshit! It's like, so don't bad. even get me started. It's don't so get, bad. You know what? No, let's do I, it. So, now. You know what? No, no, I'm so right, mad fine. about it. Like, right. like they could have had something so cool. Like, you get you get ten playoff teams. That's it. Sixty games. You got variants all over yeah. the place. Like that would have been freaking amazing. Like the Cincinnati Reds would be shitting bricks right now. Okay, <laughs> they're one and four, yeah. and and like they they have all these expectations. They had a hell of an off season. I think they've. Got right. a good club, and like, look at their yeah. pitching. By the way, like those guys out of the shoot were money. Now they're one and four. They should be shitting bricks, and they're not. You know, they shouldn't be because they're probably still a playoff team because everyone's a playoff team. Like yeah. I think they kind of lose the tension there of the sprint a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it expanded playoffs. I think is uh, I'm well. I am fine. I was fine with the eight-team playoffs. I thought that was a good system, although I understand that it kind of unnecessarily penalized the teams in, like, the NL West or maybe the uh, the AL East specifically was the, mm-hmm. was the league that got punished, the, the division that got punished the most, but um, that's just kind of the, you know, 
part of the that's how the cookie crumbles as they say mm. i think the addition of the wild card game while it has led to some individually really exciting games has been uh, a net negative for the sport because i think it's reduced the competitive um you know zeal among teams who are on the bubble you know those teams who are like maybe going to be an 87 win team and if they make a move at the deadline can get to 89 wins or maybe even 90 wins if they try and get a superstar um, because those teams, rather than getting a berth into the playoffs, get into a one-game playoff, which is just, you know, from a st- like probability standpoint, isn't what you want to make huge decisions gambling on getting into a coin flip, essentially. And uh, I think if you extrapolate that out further, and if this the 16 teams or the expanded playoffs, you know, even if it expands to 12 or something in a couple years, I think it's bad. I think it's bad for the sport. I think you want super teams. And if you have expanded playoffs, there's less incentive to field a super team because the playoffs tend to have huge amounts of variance. And so being the number one seed isn't as valuable as it was when there was only, you know, four teams in your league. Like being the number one seed in a five team playoff versus being the number one seed in a six team, you know, in per league, I guess. Uh, seven or eight, the, the more teams you add, the less the value is in being that one seed. Well, so I, I, I think it, I think it's bad. I, I kind of disagree on the 10. I like the 10 teams. Um, I do. I, I think, I think um, it, there's still a smaller number of playoff teams in the other sports. I still think that, you know, it, it's a good thing to keep as many teams in it as possible. Like I, I you know, various markets or whatever. Like I think about the Arizona Diamondbacks last year okay mm-hmm. so they neither rebuilt or or um you know went all in right like i feel like they occupied this very interesting middle ground and yet i think two weeks into september they're still in it and is that like and they weren't a bad club last year it's not like an like a complete imposter getting into the mix like i so i, I don't think that's a bad thing but i do think what what is awful about this setup is that you got teams that are trying so hard to be good, right? The Dodgers, the Yankees, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in come to mind because they're, they're spending all kinds of money to do it. They're, you know, and by the way, this is not a case like back in the day where you just like throw money at problems and equate that with being good. Like these are really well-run organizations, yeah. okay? Yeah. That also happen to spend a shit ton of money, which I think right. that's the ideal in this game to me. Like that you're you're smart. You're putting in time and effort to get better at playing the game, but then you're also throwing some money around because sometimes that's what it just takes, right? Like you, you just go get the talent however way you got to go do it. But punishing those teams is wrong to me, and that's what the 16-team thing does is that, yeah. you know, all of a sudden, like you, you got a 1-8 game where it's the Yankees and, and oh, the Orioles or whatever, and like mm-hmm. it's three games, and like you know how this works. Any three games, <laughs> fucking Baltimore Orioles can totally win that, right? Is and that like, how it's going to work, that they're going to play 1-8? It's 1-8, one eight eight. yeah. You don't get a buy? Seating. No, it's straight <laughs> seeding. Oh, so, that sucks. Okay, and like so that what, sucks what's so some, much. It, it's terrible, and like now one way you could have like negated that this is a suggestion I'd heard from some an executive you know, in the league, and you can guess at what kind of team this is, okay? But, like, hey, why couldn't you just make it where, like, the, the, the lower seed team, right, has to win more games to win that series than the, than the higher seed team does? Or, oh, like, I man. saw Joel Sherman in the post float this idea. It's kind of similar where, okay, it's a three-game series, but 
the lower seed team has to win game one for it to continue. That kind of thing where you throw a wrinkle in there that is, is some kind of punishment. <sighs> but like, isn't they didn't this do all any just of that. like, isn't this all just trying to fix a problem that doesn't need to exist? Well, yeah, look, I am against them right. going to 16. I am against it. But obviously. what I'm saying is like, yeah, these are all interesting creative solutions, but they're just trying to fix a problem that they made on their own. That, right. Like, why don't they use that sort of creativity to like fix replay or I don't know. <laughs> like, well, to be fair, that creativity is coming from like not the league. So, uh, you but, know, but that's what, what I'm as... saying is like, you know, I'm all for like ingenuity, but like, it's like, hey, we've we've created this problem for no reason other than we want more money, and we're diluting mm-hmm. the sport to do it. Like, here's some ingenious ways to make this infusion of cast less less unseemly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, don't know. I don't. Hey, speaking the, of the unseemly, bottom line is, I think it sucks. All right, it's, there's too many playoff teams. But yes, Andy, what do you got? Speaking of unseemly, we we'll wrap up with this. You've been watching baseball. What do you think of it, Mark? Woo, Andy, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> Like, I mean, you expected that because think about it. They they shut down spring training. You got a bunch of people that have been like, you know, they're literally playing catch in the parking lot. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, you got Instagram videos of people throwing to like, you know, like family members who just happen to be yeah. around. You, you, Rich Hill spent three months throwing into a fence. Right. And you know what, man? Like, it, you, you watch the baseball, it looks like. This is yeah. how players were preparing. And, like, yeah. it's unfortunate in a way. Like, okay, unfortunate in that I think it's led to the injuries that we're seeing right. to, to good players. And that that's really tough. And so it's, it's they're twofold, right? Like, they just didn't have the reps, okay? And, like, in, in the places where the reps matter, right, defense mm-hmm. and base running, I think that's where it matters. Like, live reps, being in games, timing, all that. Oh, my God. Like, it, it, you would think they were handing out performance bonuses for making the last out at third base. It is remarkable how often, like, how many overslides I've seen or, or just air mailing cutoff men. Like, I mean, just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy play. Even the umpires look like they haven't had enough reps. Like, I mean, Mike Trout goes crazy the other day on, on, a, on a called strike three that ends their game in Oakland. Trout, who never shows any emotion, going nuts about a borderline call. And the scout who's been watching a lot of these games said the same thing. Like where every, you know, you're going to have borderline calls always, but it just seems like the variance on whether those go the right way or, or the wrong way right now is so high. And, and it, I think it's an indication just of everybody needed more reps. They did not get them because of the situation that we're in. And it shows, and it's showing on the IL list, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an open invitation to any uh, ball player or executive who is listening. If you want to critique Carrig's raw copy, please send me an email at amcullahattheathletic.com, <laughs> uh, and I will be happy to pass along what Carrig uh, files before it gets edited, um, just so you, know, you can offer the same sort of criticism of his professionalism that he has offered to you. <laughs> <laughs> you get ready for commas, baby. It's a lot of them. <laughs> Do you like commas? Do then you like clauses at the start of sentences? What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm going to send you into a spiral for a week. Dude, whatever. Just do subject-object verb, man. You, You're a great you writer. Need a get out of your own to, way. You don't need to open a thesaurus to read my copy. That is true. Your I use the word uh, fifty-dollar words all over your shit. <laughs> I used the word platitudinous the other day. 
plus. Yeah. I mean, I get paid to do this. For a joke. <laughs> what an absolute joke. Are you kidding me? What a racket. What a racket. To do this. Hey, uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to the pod, you should. Uh, please do and give us a five-star review. And if you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash beyond the scrum and get 40% off a one-year subscription. Thanks for listening. Yeah.